I'd like to begin by acknowledging the true locals, the First Nations people who have been custodians of these lands, waters and culture for tens and thousands of years. We pay our respects to First Nation elders past, present and emerging. This, pod this podcast is recorded on Wadawurrung country and here, like all countries on this continent, sovereignty was never ceded. I'm here today with Dr. Scott Bennett, who leads the scientific advisory panel of the Great Southern Reef Project. Scott was born and raised surfing and diving off the reefs in Tasmania and has studied the kelp forest ecosystems of Australia in depth right across the country throughout his career as a marine scientist. Dr. Scott was recently awarded the highly prestigious Australian Research Council Discovery Early Career Research Award and is currently based in Tasmania. Scott, welcome uh, to the Surface for Climate Car Park Convos podcast. Thanks very much. Great to um, be here. Uh, stoked, stoked that you could uh, call in and, and chat to us today. We like to start most of these chats uh, asking about the last wave that you rode, if there was any memorable moment, where was it, um, and any details that you might remember. Uh, yeah, well, actually, mine was a little bit far away. Uh, we just got back. So the other, my better half uh, is from Spain, and we've just been over there visiting family, and we're just up, yeah, north Basque country, um, Spain, on a trip few weeks ago and yeah we're up there actually mainly pushing in with the kids because it's pretty small but yeah it was really memorable oh awesome sounds nice and warm a lot warmer than the waters here in victoria and tasmania at the moment yeah, absolutely <laughs> great um so we're here today because we really wanted to chat to you about the great southern reef um what exactly is the great southern reef yeah, uh, so the, the Great Southern Reef is like Australia's interconnected system of temperate rocky reefs uh, and it spans like five states and over 8,000 kilometres of coastline. And I guess like the defining feature of the Great Southern Reef is uh, its kelp forests. And like Australia, we're, in Australia, we're really lucky that we basically have this continuous band of coastline um, from about Kalbarri in the west um, right around the southern coast of Australia, around Tassie and up the east coast to about the Queensland border of continuous sort of rocky reef and, and, and kelp forests. And, and it's really this distribution of kelp forests that defines our Great Southern Reef. Wow, that's such a huge, massive expanse of Australia's coastline. Why haven't we really heard of this before? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting question. Obviously, we have heard of like temperate reefs and most of us, um, around you know, seventy percent of the nation, we live by this coastline. We live along these shorelines, um, and we engage in um, with the reef on a regular basis. But a lot of our focus in the past, I think, has is really been sort of on our local spots. Um, you know, we're we're really fond and proud of our local reefs, but we'd actually never stopped until recently to think about. Um, our temperate reef sort of in a broader context like as as a national entity if you like and it was only only like six seven years ago that we first sort of coined the name the great southern reef to to recognize that actually in fact we do have this like just enormous interconnected entity that spans that's it southern half of australia um and and it is all one system these like these millions of like these thousands of reefs right across 
Southern Australia that we all froth about uh, are actually part of, of the same big system. And so we, we coined the term Great Southern Reef to recognise this interconnectedness and, and start to appreciate this, this reef like in, in all its glory. Yeah, amazing. So, I mean, from a scientific point of view, like you can see a lot of similarities across all these different systems throughout Australia, I'm gathering. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the beauty of um, Australia, much like um, in the Great Southern Reef, much like our cultures and our, our ecosystems on land, but, um, um, you know, we have huge diversity like across, across, the, across the reef, but we also have, yeah, a lot of similarity across those areas. So there's kind of like, you know, two to three sort of major biogeographical provinces that, that span the expanse of the Great Southern Reef. And we've got, you know, around a third of species sort of overlap across both those provinces. So, again, like our dominant kelp species that we get from Kalbarri around the Queensland border, we get the same species right through the colonial radiata. And that's kind of the dominant sort of habitat-forming species throughout the entire GSR. But there's also, you know, hundreds of other species that like carry right along um, around that coastline. Oh, it's just so incredible to hear about you know, all these different species and to be learning from you. Um, why is the Great Southern Reef so important ecologically, ecologically and socioculturally? Yeah, I mean, e ecologically, um, it's, it is genuinely unique. And I think this has been really underappreciated in the past. Again, perhaps because we're sort of often thinking in such localised context. But when we look at the Great Southern Reef, the biodiversity, like it is a global biodiversity hotspot across eight phyla. Doesn't matter how you cut it, but we have some of the highest like biodiversity in the world um, here in the Great Southern Reef. And you know, to give you an example, we often think of of our coral reef systems as as really diverse. And the Great Barrier Reef, an amazing place, um, has around four hundred and fifty species of corals, for example. The Great Southern Reef has over like our major foundation species, our seaweeds, we have over a thousand species of seaweeds, around fifteen hundred species, and we have that across the board. Like so, a lot all our invertebrate taxa, from like our our smallest snails to our largest crustaceans to our squids, our, you know, all our, our um, cephalopods and things, um, right through to our fish. We just have enormous biodiversity. Um, and what's even more special about that, particularly to my mind, is that its biodiversity is unique. So across all our major groups, taxonomic groups, fish or inverts or seaweeds, we have around around 70 to 80% of those species are, are unique to Australia. They're unique to the Great Southern Reef. You can't find them anywhere else in the world. And again, for like a, a coral reef sort of comparison there, you know, on the coral reefs of Australia, our endemism, so our unique species, it's around 3%. So, you know, here we have just really high uniqueness compared to other sort of amazing entities. And that's and that what, what makes it special. So, you know, we have this huge biodiversity. You can't find it anywhere else. You can only find it here. And, and the crazy thing is like a lot of these species, you know, we don't even know. So, you know, we have this high diversity, but if you get the best taxonomists in Australia and they dive down and they'd like, up samples from the reef you know probably about a third of the species they still we still don't have names for there's just it's it's that rich and that understudied um around a lot of our coastline amazing so you're still actually finding new new species yeah absolutely and it's not just like 
little cryptic things that you know you might think are easy to miss you know it's even even large fish recently you know it was only it was only six or seven years ago you know these large fish was first recognized as different species so there's a lot to discover here and a lot of a lot of that has you know really important benefits for humans so i mean you asked before about the the social cultural benefits of the great southern reef and and there's equally enormous i mean if you think about the demography of australia um one we're a coastal nation and we're concentrated around the southern half of the country so 70 percent of australia's population live within a few kilometers of of our of our temperate coastlines of kelp forests and and that means that sort of thousands of us recreate um, and and live around temperate reefs and use them on a daily basis for surfing, for fishing, diving, swimming, you name it, just just relaxing. We're totally engaged with that. And that's actually it's a really defining feature, I think, of Australia's like cultural culture and identity. Um, contemporary sort of culture and identity as a nation is that you know, that coastal nation and that um around the reefs and obviously um that dates back far earlier than and than sort of contemporary colonial times um you know we have a really deep um history and relationship um uh, aboriginal australians have a really deep relationship with with the great southern reef that dates back tens of thousands of years thousands of generations and there's there's over there's over 60 sort of nations and and language groups that do border Great Southern Reef, and there's just remarkable sort of histories and knowledge um, that's still alive today, and 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 close relationships with sea country and and kelps and and organisms on the reef um, that are still present. So it it has a really important role in, in contemporary and 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 uh, ancient society. Absolutely, and I guess it also plays in some forms a role in. The livelihoods of a lot of the Australians that live along those coastlines as well is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a lot of people um, and industries, business depend on on the Great Southern Reef. I mean, it's it's hugely productive. Kelp forests are, are like one of the most productive ecosystems on the planet, and all that primary productivity sort of generates you know secondary productivity it supports the organisms that feed on it and the sort of broader food web going like um, going up so you know it's not surprising that um you know our most important wild fisheries like rock lobster and abalone come from the great southern reef these things are sort of worth around 900 million um dollars to the australian economy annually just those two fisheries alone and and then you know there's there's many others um right along so fishing is is obviously super important um along along the gsr but so is tourism i mean the number of tourists that visit our coastline um you know i think it's around 18 million that visit the gsr on an annual basis these are like well coastal communities around the gsr we actually have pretty poor numbers on sort of the numbers that actually come and use the reef um but yeah it's a multi-million dollar industry we have you know huge huge dependency on it yeah i was reading something the other day about um the number of tourists that visit just the 12 apostles alone which is a yeah, exactly. part of that great southern reef it's yeah huge um but towards talk- the gbr and, and absolutely yeah. <laughs> i think the stats were that it's the australia's most visited tourist attraction um 
speaking about the 12 apostles specifically in that part of the Great Ocean Road. So, yeah. yeah that's right. Um, on Back onto the waves, um, you know, you mentioned that it's the GSL makes up the majority of Australia's southern coastline, which for most of us know is the majority of Australia's surfable coastline. So what, you know, what waves kind of stand out as a highlight to you of being part of that Great Southern Reef? Yeah, I mean, it's we are wave rich the GSR and like in Australia's sort of identity as a as a surfing nation, basically the vast majority of that stems from the waves that break on on the GSR. Um and so I mean they're numerous, you can reel them off from from WA. We've got, you know, starting at Jake's up around Kalbarri and all the great waves down there, the entire Margaret River region, like Rotto, um, all all that WA in the south coast of WA, incredible. We've got, you know, all of South Australian, you know, just monuments. We've got Bells in Victoria, Phillip Island, we've got the Hobart, Hobart points, we've got, you know, Jervis Bay. It's just like thousands of waves across the GSR that all break on reef and they're just remarkable. I mean, they're our most iconic waves in the country. And all our sort of like, you know, the iconic big wave spots too, from the right WA, Shippies in Tassie, obviously, Cape Solander. These are all just, you know, waves breaking on kelp, like breaking on the Great Southern Reef. Um, and so yeah, it's it is like fundamental um to our sort of to our surfing nation and um yeah, we're we're very blessed. Probably a um, good intersect for you when you get to do research missions as well, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where we just lose our mind when travelling around. And, I mean, that's the, uh, the beauty of it as well. Like, you know, I talk about it, you know, for its beauty and, and its wonder, the Great Southern Reef, but it's also it's a wild beast like our, our southern coastline of the country, as you know. It's just, you know, it can be a really intimidating coastline. A lot of our waves are, in, you know, intimidating places as well and and yeah as researchers uh, like a lot of our our work is diving based and so you know half the time we, we can't work because you know, we can't we can't dive so <laughs> too rough surfing instead <laughs> yeah no, that's it well, that's always pre- pretty lining. good pretty good trade-off huh <laughs> that's it. um so talking about i guess all these thousands of waves that are are along the great southern reef um, it seems like we really depend on a healthy ecosystem. Um, why should surfers particularly be caring? You know, is there certain impacts um, or things that we need to to stay aware of and and look for while we're out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a healthy ecosystem is is fundamental for surfing. I think for from from an experiential sort of perspective, I mean. We surf for riding waves, but so surf because we love to be in the environment. We love to be in nature, and and having healthy ecosystem around us. Um, I think you sense that you sense the power when you're in sort of a wild place, and it is healthy and and teeming, and it and it is a far different experience than if you're in a sort of really degraded or polluted area, and so. Just from the experience of, of being in nature, a healthy reef is fundamentally important. But as well as that, I mean, the work, um, the reef provides a huge number of services that that do sort of directly benefit surf, um, benefit surfers. And things like you know, 
maintaining healthy water quality and and nutrients and that sort of thing. These things are all our kelps are just nutrient pumps. They just like draw down nutrients in the environment. And if we lose those kelps, a lot of that sort of nutrients and pollutants sort of remain in the system. Um, and so we are surfing in a much a less clean environment. Um, so for health benefits too, yeah, it does have it does have impacts. Um, a lot of people sort of ask about, oh, yeah, but without the kelps, you know, it's not going to, or without the reef, you know, it's not going to impact the waves or rocks will still be there. And, um, and you know, that some even suggest that the kelps dampen the waves or whatever. And the second is actually, it's not really, there's not much evidence to support the kelps do anything to sort of support I mean, the waves. They might actually help if you're getting ragdolled along the reef. Um, <laughs> true. But... <laughs> But yeah, um, and so and so yeah, no, the waves will keep rolling in. But um, I would say, in terms of having that healthy environment to surf in and and water quality and those sort of things, that is, they are important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking, you know, about the threats that are impacting the Great Southern Reach, ha- ha- the Great Southern Reef. How is climate change having an effect? Yeah. Climate change is having a, a huge effect on on the Great Southern Reef, um, temperate coastlines in general. So, the east coast and west coast um, of Australia, the southeast and southwest, uh, are warming at at four degree at four times faster and two times faster than sort of the the global average at the moment. They're warming really fast, um, and that's bringing with it a huge number of changes. So, um, for one, uh, we've seen Huge kelp loss, uh, habitat loss um, in around Australia. In 2011, there was an extreme marine heat wave there, um, and that saw like 96,000 hectares of kelp forests sort of lost from from WA, so from Kalbarri, 100 kilometres south. Like kelps were completely wiped out. Does that happen? Those, does that happen like you know, kind of really quickly within a week or two? Is that sort of something that happens over the whole season? It, it, that one that was relative, like remarkably quick, like just because the intensity. That's so that is the largest, most extreme marine heat wave that's been witnessed globally um, until now. Uh, that 2011 one in WA, and that and so places like Kalbarri were like around five degrees warmer than sort of your maximum summer temperatures on on you and on you on a usual year and that just cooked them like that just really just just clear filled the reef um at a monumental scale i mean if you can imagine that happening on land it's it's sort of yeah unfathomable and and that was really quick and and what coincides and this is a phenomenon in both coasts because we have these really strong poleward boundary currents that come down our coastline so we've got the Lewin in the west and the east australian current in the east that really facilitates sort of the dispersal of of coral reef or warm affiliated species and so in in the wa instance what what we got got that sort of massive heat shock that wiped out our kelp and we also got this huge influx of of coral reef fishes and coral reef species and and what there are a lot of on coral reefs are herbivores and so we've got these big herbivorous fish that that arrived um, following that heat wave and they just settled right in conditions were warm and they had this sort of clean slate they love that sort of turf forming algae sort of you know when they when these things were arriving it really resembled you know a, a 
more tropical reef system and they and they just ate the you know they just maintained that system they really prevented that prevented the kelp coming back um as well about that sort of poleward flowing current sort of makes it hard for the kelp to get back up the coast to recover um and so over 10 years on and that kelp has not come back um in wa well is it likely to ever replenish itself well yeah and we might talk about it later but there are sort of restoration attempts um underway and uh in in western australia to try and see if they can reseed it um catalyze it because you know that was that was an extreme event and conditions have since like sort of settled and we're sort of more in a slightly cooler phase for for the last few years over there um but yeah at this stage they're not recovering there are sort of like hope spots um places like the abrolis islands and things where we sort of have these kelp forests like growing alongside corals and and it's sort of like a warm a warm system that there does seem 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 to be some hope that some of those kelps might do all right um inshore and things but it's really early days like the at the scale of loss currently we're like yeah we have no way of of getting those systems back um but yeah in others you know in other places i mean and that that's really been a pattern that's been observed around the country in various places so the solitary islands sort of out of coughs and similar patterns been observed there over sort of that over a longer time scale so that was really only noticed sort of over sort of a decade of time scale um so that but a similar pattern we saw this warming uh in the region we saw the sort of increased number of of tropical herbivores coming down and we saw this sort of gradual sort of just loss of kelp from the system and then yeah in tassie um you know we're at the cool end of of the gsi down here but we're also feeling impacts and and down here the largest impact has been particularly on the giant kelp so giant kelp forests are really iconic kelp forests in australia um and they sort of concentrate they grow around the southeast of the country so around tassie victoria over to sort of eastern south australia and and we've lost around 95 percent of our giant kelp forests um in the past few decades and and again yeah the their attempts are being made, but at the moment then they're not coming back um, by themselves. Wow, that's so sad to think all that. You know, it's underwater and you can't really see it, so you don't realise the extent of the loss that you're, you know, that our oceans are experiencing. Yeah, no, that's right. It's it's really startling. I was, I mean, I was there when we first in Kalbari when we first discovered the or noticed the kelp had gone missing there. And it was really a sort of pivotal moment in my life. I mean, we dropped down to the bottom, you know, expecting to see the kelp forests that are normally there, and it was just nothing. It was just bare rock, and we thought we were just in the wrong place. And so we, you know, we we went back up, um, and checked, yeah, and the GPS, and no, we were in the right spot. We dropped back down. We found the temperature logger and realised we were there, and and it was just it was just clear felt. It was literally cooked off the the reef yeah it's a really like i don't know i know as you know from my surfing life you really notice quite easily changes in water temperature obviously um and yeah i can remember being out in newcastle and experiencing 
quite warm days um, and the same down here on the surf coast where I live now. I think it was a couple of summers ago um, before we had this La Nina pattern. It was exceptionally warm. Everyone was wearing board shorts. <laughs> mm. So you know, I'm sure it was having a big impact on the ecology here as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And especially around that region. And it's not they're not all bad impacts. I mean, one of the, the key features of warming that we see is this poleward movement of species. And, you know, and to, depending sort of where you live and what you're interested in, I mean, a lot of fishermen are stoked in Tassie. All of a sudden we have pink snapper and yellowtail kingfish galore and, and these sorts of things. And they're good, you know, they're good news stories in some respects if, if you're on the receiving end. But at the same time, you know, we also have, and this is true in, in parts of Victoria, um, we have the long-spine sea urchin uh, that's arriving in Tassie and that's that's another species. It's just a range-extending species. It's native to New South Wales and um, it's just doing its thing, but it's arrived in Tassie in the last few decades and it's now it's just annihilating the reefs here. It's just like eating um, the reefs bare. And, and having, your feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, if you happen to... Um, and so, you know, that's, we, we, there's the good and the bad, but unfortunately, yeah, I'd say the, the bad is sort of winning at the moment. And of course, um, you talked a bit, quite a bit about kelp and kelp is, as it's growing, sequestering carbon. Um, can you tell us a little bit more detail about that and how that kind of does help the oceans? Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's actually a really um, topical area of research at the moment. So that's as you know, like plants, particularly on land, they um, draw down carbon and and produce and produce oxygen, and, and a lot of that the carbon dioxide that they take in, they turn into into biomass. So trees on land will like put it into, turn it into timber or into the roots and into the soil. And underwater, it's a little bit different for kelps at least because kelps don't have root systems and they don't have that sort of woody biomass that, that lasts for a long time. So in order for the kelps to like, so kelps are drawing down huge amounts of carbon um, um, from the water and, they, and, they're, and they're storing that in the um, in the kelp tissue, but the only way for that to be locked away for the long term is for that kelp then to be exported basically to the deep ocean and stored in, in, in deep sediments in the ocean. And that's a really active field of research now, just to understand how much um, of that kelp biomass is exported to the deep ocean and how much actually breaks down and sort of recycles back into the system. Um, and because for a long time it was thought, oh, no, they, they don't have roots, they don't sort of carbon into the soils or the sediment those seagrass do so their contribution is really relatively low but now we're increasingly realize that yeah they do play a contribution and and yeah but we've got a long way to go to to know how much so interesting seaweed as a solution yeah um is there many other rehabilitation projects happening along the great southern reef yeah there are um it's a really active field at the moment, it's growing uh, rapidly. There's a so all around the country. There's some great initiatives and and great work underway. The West Australians um, they're busy trying to restore reefs, particularly up around Kalbarri. Um, 
And they've what got does a really... that look like? How does that process? How does that process go? Yes, there's a few different methods, um, and um, and we're kind of a lot of the work around Australia is still in a relatively early stage, early trial stage. Um, and the trick will be like how to scale it up. And the Western Australians are they're onto a method which is um, you know has real potential for scalability in the sense that basically they they settle so um, the culture sort of the early life stages the gametophyte stage of the kelp um, in on land like in aquaria and that sort of thing and you can build up massive cultures of that really quickly uh, then the idea is you've got to sort of deploy those sort of baby kelps back onto the reef and and the way they've been working with is to settle those those baby kelps onto gravel and then you just like plonk the gravel sort of off the side of the boat and those gravel sinks to the bottom and the kelp grows and, and attaches to the reef and and there you restore and that's a really it's a it's a great idea um, because it's relatively straightforward and it enables you to restore at scale which is one of the key challenges um, there's still a lot of teething sort of there's you know work making that work in an Australian context that's been shown to be relatively successful in places like Norway and fjords where there's kind of a bit less wave action here what we find a lot is that gravel just gets like pummeled and and in some places it doesn't work so well so yeah we also try um i know in tassie so yeah other restoration projects that are going on at least for kelp as the west australians um in tassie where there's a lot of giant kelp research sort of getting underway now and there's some great support by like places like um, Sea Forest Foundation um, to to restore giant kelp in Tassie, and for that we're working with that, that company um, to basically same process with culture giant kelp in Aquaria, and and we're trying both gravel but also onto twine. So we just get these just you know spools of of cotton like just organic twine. Um, set all the kelps onto there and then just go and, and run those that, those spools of twine out over the reef and the kelp forest um, grows from that. And, um, yeah, particularly in the case of the giant kelp forest, you know, it's remarkable in comparison to any other ecosystem in your life because you can, you can literally grow a forest in a year. Like this stuff grows so wow. fast that from these microscopic sort of juveniles pop it on the reef and within 12 months these things can be 12, 15 metres tall and um, amazing. So it is, there is huge potential in it, um, but that's it. The the scaling of this stuff um, still has still has a way to go. But, yeah, there's there's hopeful signs around the yeah, country. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's, um, I don't know, so, so great to know of all the amazing things that are going on in terms of rehabilitation. Fantastic. Um, one other quick question that I had for you was um, surrounding seismic testing issue. Um, Surface for Climate work quite heavily on trying to stop new oil and gas developments in Australian waters. Um, and there's plans circulating for a multi-client seismic survey at the moment that covers, I just learned that it was 90,000 square kilometres um, in the Otway Basin off the southwest coast of Victoria, kind of stretching all the way over to northern Tasmania and just across the, the South Australian border. It's apparently one of the largest 3D seismic surveys 
um, definitely in the country and probably one of the largest undertaken on the planet. What sort of impacts does seismic surveying have on marine life and particularly on the, the GSR ecosystem? Yeah, so it's a great question. Yeah, congratulations or, you know, power to you guys for standing up and fighting this. I think it's um, it's pretty ridiculous and unnecessary in this day and age um, on multiple fronts to be doing this. But um, obviously, yeah, from a biological perspective, and I can't speak with much authority on this, it's not my area, but um, certainly, I mean, marine life is hugely sensitive um, um, to sort of its acoustic environment, this sort of thing. And I know there's been some great work done on the impacts, even on like down to zooplankton, um, there's a really neat study showing the sort of mortality in, in zooplankton of seismic testing. Um, and it has, it does have a major and fundamental impact and obviously um, on these organisms and zooplankton, again, much like kelps on our shallow reefs or they're part of the same thing. They're sort of the base of these trophic webs and they have, you know, um, so it has a really large sort of upstream impacts on, on, on the rest of the on, on the rest of the food web and across really large areas as well. I mean, I, I understand these impacts can sort of range like you know, horizontally, or you know, one and a half you know, over a kilometre um, from the testing area. And so, the impacts are widespread. And if it's sort of replicated over that vast area, I mean, there's so many. Yeah, the, the potential impacts could be huge. I mean, that's such an important area for things like our tuna fisheries um, or our tuna populations, I should say, a lot of our migratory whale and um, populations and, and a whole range of species. It's a hugely important area. Um, yeah, it strikes me as, as a big concern. Yeah, absolutely. Something we're going to uh, continue campaigning against for sure. Um, yeah, excellent. With a lot of this research that you have done, you must often get, you know, frustrated at times in seeing such massive impacts being caused to the Great Southern Reef. Um, what are you doing about it? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess on a few fronts, I guess that's it. It can it can be depressing, but there's also, I think, a really important message about the Great Southern Reef is there's an amazing opportunity within it and there's amazing sort of bright spots or good news stories as part of it. I mean, we do hear a lot about the logical demise and degradation um, globally and and as I've already discussed, you know, there's that's happening on the GSR, but there's also sort of, as I mentioned, so much of the GSR to be discovered and to be understood. And, and that gives me a lot of cause for hope and reason, reason to fight. So obviously there's that restoration work that we're increasingly like heavily involved in now. But on a personal level as well, we've sort of I've kind of stepped while continuing the research. We're also sort of trying to start a bit of an awareness campaign. And, and this year we launching the Great Southern Reef Foundation and and the purpose of that organisation is to act as a bit of a knowledge broker um, up 
for the reef, like act as a voice for the Great Southern Reef to to the public, to society, because I think we're at such a we're at this point where we have just this like amazing entity sort of on our doorstep and we just take it for granted or don't even recognize it's there. And um for a lot of the in a lot of cases it's not that we don't have the science or we don't have the understanding about it. It's just that people don't know about it. And so all our decision making, our management, our funding, um is not is not directed or it's not sort of conscious of 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 the Great Southern Reef or or what's at stake. And so this organization is aimed at sort of sort of acting, as I said, as a voice for for the GSR and trying to raise awareness um about it to to the public um and really bring the GSR as well into the classroom. So developing a lot of educational resources and materials to um for primary and high school students and, and giving teachers sort of power the powers or the the sort of knowledge and resources to to teach about you know teach place-based science about their local marine environment um and things like that so yeah at this at this moment we're sort of like on a crusade to sort of yeah raise awareness about about the gsa oh, education and knowledge is so powerful yeah it is and i mean what's I find so inspiring is that like you travel around as you have done, you know, you travel around the coast of Australia and no matter where you go, like just people are just frothing on their local spot. Like people are so proud of their like local reefs and their local waves and fishing spots. And, and they'll always tell you they've got the best spot and they've got the, you know, this secret spot that's, you know, better than yours or better than everywhere else. And they live in the best place. And they, and, I love that. You know, it's so great to see because, you know, you see it, you see it all across like the, the GSI and, and we're all kind of frothing on the same thing. Um, and so we want to sort of bring, unite all those voices and, and bring them together. And like if we stand up sort of as one um, to look after this system, I think, you know, we can make huge progress. And, you know, part of that is as well, you know, just talking to the people around the country. We've sort of had been on these had a couple of projects where we we just like focused on telling stories about people of the great southern reef and and traveled around the country and just listening to sort of local legends basically tell their stories much like your our part convos in a way but really interesting really interesting people and there was so much fascinating stuff and discovered so many, yeah, just amazing people fighting to look after their local reef or artists sort of celebrating their local reef in, through their art, sort of Indigenous knowledge about sort of um, reefs and local practices and, and things. And that's been a really inspiring uh, process and has really given me a great heart that I think that if we can sort of collectively stand up um, yeah, there's a lot of goodwill out there to look after the GSR. Yeah, where can we view um, all of these different stories? Have you got a place that everyone can jump on and, and watch these and be inspired themselves? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, check out greatsouthernreef.com. Um, also, sort of, please, yeah, follow us on socials and things on Instagram, Facebook. Um, 
a lot of it's a work in progress as well. So if you jump on the website, you'll see um, certainly a lot of just links to the free educational resources, including teachers' notes and things. You'll see a um, bunch of videos and information about marine life. You'll see sort of links to feature creators. We love like featuring different sort of artists around the GSR each month. Um, but yeah, sign up as well. Sign up um, to sort of um, send like out a monthly newsletter. Um, sort of talking about what's going on around GSR and highlighting interesting people and things, new research. Um, so definitely sort of get on and follow us. But like I said, this is kind of, yeah, it's a work. We're just sort of going through it like this right now. We're sort of officially launching as a foundation. Congratulations. Um, and, yeah, cheers. And, um, yeah, and so we we hope that a lot of this content will expand and a lot of this video content, a bunch of it's up, but there's a whole stack sort of on the way. So keep an eye out for that. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to go sign up as soon as we get off this podcast recording. <laughs> One last question. Um, do you have any plans for the future? Um, yeah, largely sort of keep up the fight um, for the GSR. So, uh, we've got a lot of plans sort of in the sort of as a foundation. Um, uh, we've kind of got the three pillars. We've got like community, education and, and science. And the community one is about telling the stories of the GSR to the public and getting that out there. And we've got a lot of cool, really exciting projects underway. We just played a really beautiful film about Tasmanian Aboriginal connection to sea country. Um, that's going to launch. Um, at the end of the year, um, super excited about that. There's a whole bunch of really cool works in that space and and a lot of the educational materials work alongside those stories. So it's a lot happening there. Um, and then, yeah, from the science perspective, I mean, we're, we're blessed that we have just amazing scientists sort of on board with this fight, um, with this cause from around Australia. Um, and and we're just yeah we're just starting to organize and mobilize and sort of figure out what our next steps are in that space but yeah there's certainly a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline wow thank you so much for everything that you're doing to protect our great southern reefs um, which i'm going to start start calling it um and thanks so much for joining in on our podcast today too sharing with everybody your knowledge Uh, No, thanks heaps. It was a lot of fun and, yeah, really appreciate chatting with you.